0: This is Rodney J, and you are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. In tonight's episode, we will be interviewing a family member of mine, my eldest sister, about supernatural encounters she's had throughout her whole entire life. I believe the veil is thinning in the spiritual world, and we are going to see more and more things come to pass that will make you think different about the world that we live in. In this day and age, it is time for us as a people to start talking, to start praying, and to start being good to each other as neighbors and citizens of the world. I believe Jesus is going to return soon. There's not much time left. Buckle your seatbelt. This episode is one for the records.
1: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. I'm Amber, and I hope you enjoy this episode.
0: Thank you guys so much for being here with us. Tonight, I have a really special guest. I have someone who grew up with me. This is my eldest sister and her name is Amber. I'm just excited for you guys to hear a little bit about her story. I'm just going to give her the stage. I may ask a couple questions along the way. She has a really powerful testimony to share. So buckle your seatbelt. We're going to take this ride together. We obviously grew up on the East Coast here in southeastern Pennsylvania. It was a really unique setting, right? We grew up in a famous Philadelphia farmhouse and there was a, an experience that I remember you having. I how old do you think I was and how old were you when the Hatman experience happened?
1: Well, I'd have to say I was probably no older than six years old. But yeah, I mean, and it's something that, you know, I still remember like it was yesterday because it was first experience outside of this this world that we have here. It was quite supernatural and quite confusing to me at that young of an age.
0: And just just paint the picture for us a little bit here.
1: Okay, so... Like Rodney said, we grew up in a historical home. It was finished in 1803. It actually had a time stamp on the outside of the building. And, you know, not that it was, I hate to use the word haunted, because I don't believe that that home was haunted in, in like a bad way. Um But there was definitely some things that were outside of our realm of, you know, just being able to, to look, you know, at people, there were, there were some spiritual things that, were living with us and I say that and I can say that because like I said at the age of five or six years old I was playing in our living room and you know as I always did I was a happy kid just kind of running around um it was a fun house to explore there were kind of some you know little doorways with stairs that went to nowhere and some um extra stuff that you wouldn't find in a normal home built today um i
0: hate to interrupt you but there was a uh was it a fifth floor that was a studio at one point in time and it burnt down somewhere along the way like that's the studio where the famous artist did the battle of gettysburg am i remembering that correctly
1: yes so peter rothamel was a famous artist he painted the battle of gettysburg he called the home grassmere it was his vacation home for quite some time and then him and his wife actually ended up moving there and dying there and uh, you know i didn't learn these things until i was older and found them a historical book of warriors Ford and limerick that area that we grew up in so basically it was the history of those areas and there was photos of our home Back in the 1800s, there was photos of him, but I want to get to that in just a minute. So basically, um, you know, I was playing as I normally did and I left the living room, which I went through the kitchen into our hallway and there was a set of steps that it was steps and then a platform and then a few more steps and a platform and a few more steps. And that took you to the um, upstairs hallway. So I had made it to... The first platform um, went to walk up the second platform and looked up and there was a man that looked like a person. He just wasn't, he didn't look touchable. He didn't look like a, like he was here in this dimension. Um, He was very dusty looking. He had a very straight, very almost um, militant face. He had a top hat on. He was dressed in all black and he was just very tall. He was looking down at me. And I mean, it scared the daylights out of me. So I didn't make it up any more steps. I ran down the steps. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of here. Still, <laughs> Um, crying, you know, and I ran yeah. right to my parents and told them what I'd seen. And, you know, it, it was, they kind of knew that there was some stuff that went on in that house. So, you know, they didn't make a big deal of it. And it just kind of went about our lives. But this book that I was talking about or referencing actually came out when I was about 10 years later, when I was about 15 years old. You know, I I had that experience. And of course, it was kind of always with me. I had certain dreams there and just certain things that happened over the years. But um, when I got this book in my hands, and I opened it up to look at our home from back in the 1800s, and these photos, I You know, saw our house back then, and it was amazing to see with the fourth floor on it. And then I turned the page and dropped the book, fell to my knees, started crying because it hit me like a ton of bricks. That was the man I saw at the top of the steps.
0: And that was a picture of Mr. Rothamol sitting in the house. Yeah. Okay. So the book, if I remember correctly, is Montgomery County Historical Society, 1776 to present. It's a green book that you can get issued um, from like the either the historical society or one of the libraries um, but we did have a copy of that book and i mm-hmm. i very much so remember going through it as well yeah. now what what did you feel when you seen this this entity or this figure what did you get filled with fear like it just dropped the emotions out of you did you well, feel like um the atmosphere shifted and i need to leave or like what no was it the... just
1: um it it was like that closure i guess because as a kid i didn't I felt fear because I didn't know this man that was in our house. And I knew he looked different. He mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, fully here. But, you know, yes, it was scary. But years and years later to see that, that was that closure. But it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because at that point, that's when I realized that, you know, there this spiritual world outside of here, you know, all around us yes. really exists. Um So that, you know, kind of put the stamp on that for me.
0: Did you feel like that was the closure of there is a spiritual world going on? Yes. Help me and the audience understand kind of how you got to be the Amber you are today.
1: Well, I mean, I think back then it was always kind of used as like a joke when we had friends over like, haha, you know, there's things in our house, you know, and mm-hmm. people would feel things and it would be like, yeah, well, check this out. This is the guy that I saw when I was five years old at the top of our steps. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily used for more than getting a, a laugh out of things or, you know, putting a little scare in somebody or whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, but it did solidify the fact that, you know, there was something more to this world than than what I can see with my with my bare eyes and, you know, I'd always felt things and I could definitely, um, feel energies and, you know, feel intentions of people just by being near them. And, you know, things that you don't understand when you're young, you know, you have to have those experiences. So it was kind of my first experience, but it was one experience added to many that have, created the, you know, the views and the, the person that I am today and where I stand spiritually and how aware I am of, you know, this supernatural world among us.
0: I, there's a lot of people that's going to re- relate. I mean, a lot of people have this internal mechanism, right? Our sixth sense, or some people say your gut or your instinct. Um, there's many different names for, I believe what people are referring to as that same like tugging or mm-hmm. um, that just different worldly alarm that can go off. Mm -hmm. more and more people honestly are coming forth and sharing stories it's almost like 10 20 years ago you know when i was a young guy it was like you joked about it like you said with kids and friends like everybody joked about it yeah and campfire stories right absolutely you were a weirdo if like you had a ufo experience or like a ghost experience you were like that creepy kid you know i was like but now like i feel like the whole rest of the world has played catch up with a lot of people's realities, you being one of those people who've who've had supernatural experiences before you had the understanding, like you didn't read a book that creeped you out and then seen something or like, you're just playing and running through the house and then boom, you know, there's this experience.
1: Well, and I think that, you know, God's moving heavy right now, just in our land. So I think a lot of it's almost being forced in a sense, you know, we kind of have to um, to come to terms with something at this point, you know, mm-hmm. and it's pretty evident, I would say, in, you know, the miracles, the things that are written in the Bible that we're seeing happening right in front of our faces, things that are being proven, you know, that were prophesized many, many thousands of years ago. Just those things alone, you know, it, you can't make this stuff up. So yes, are there campfire stories and Things that, you know, kids sit around a fire and make up, you know, scary stories to spook out their friends. Sure. But when it's something that is actually, you know, happened, um, it's on a whole different level. And it's funny that my brother says that you're looked at differently or whatever the case may be. Because one thing I've always said ever since I was young is, I'm different. I don't belong here. I'm different and I don't understand these people. They're not like me. I'm not like them. And, you know, I don't belong here. Fortunately, I have you know come to terms with God has me here and exactly where He wants me. But for a long time, I felt like I didn't belong.
0: You know, it's interesting how the the world's agenda is to misplace you, even if you're easy to spot or unique in the crowd. It's mm-hmm. like they have this systematic way of trying to get you not to operate the way you were intended to operate. And I think a lot of the times we don't have a biblical view in the corporate world in our workplaces in our schools anymore so people that have this unique sense or or understanding of things going on that they can't quite put words to but they know what they feel they know what they've experienced a lot of the times when you hand them a bible and get them to read it they have like that light bulb moment like they just start going are you serious like I went to like, you know, Catholic Church or Presbyterian or like Southern Baptist or like 20, 30 years, and like never did I read, you know, a story about a ghost floating past somebody and the hair on their skin, you know, lifting up, which I mentioned, I think it was two episodes ago. That's the story of Job. He has a supernatural experience. This is written in the Bible. A lot of the times I reference stuff and I challenge my audience and people, go investigate this for yourself. Because m- one of my greatest journeys, taking the Bible literally, Mm -hmm. at face value just letting it mean what it says and say what it means without me trying to misconstrue it or mess with it it's phenomenal how so many puzzle pieces will fall into place when we realize we are temporary creatures and there's a spiritual world here and when this mortal body's done and it's gone we're going into that spiritual world (laughs) right like you cut your arm off you're still you your arms in the ground rotten but you're still you there's something from your forehead to your gut that's the essence of who you are and that's what's going to move on to the next life from five years old to now, you've had a bunch of experiences. Many. Many, many experiences. And I've always been fascinated. Even before I was a believer in the Bible, I'd always kind of like sit in the back and just listen and be like, That's, something's tickling my skin here. There's something to this, but I don't really want to jump into it. And sometimes we are walking through the valley of the shadow of darkness.
1: Mm-hmm. And I say that um, often, that God literally walked me through the valley of the shadow of death, but held my hand through it. And I mean, I had to walk through that in order to have the experiences that I have and to have the submission had come to the point of submission that I've come to where God is, you know, the end all be all in my life. I do want to share something like really important. That's kind of mid between then and now. And I think it's an amazing experience. So, you know, we went to church as children, but we never really like, sat and went through the Bible and we had some footing in church. You know, we went as teenagers. It was something important to our mom, but you know, it was kind of something I did for a long time just to make her happy. And, um, by the time I was, you know, in my early twenties, um, I had always to some degree said to myself, what if, just what if God wasn't really the creator? What if God, you know, there's just that, there was that, what if. I couldn't prove it a 100%. I couldn't, you know, um, touch it, feel it, speak to it and be spoken to, you know, verbally. So there was always that what if. And I actually had um, an experience that was the the turning point in my life. And it took that what if right from me. Wow. Since then, there has never been a moment where I've thought what if. It has always been there is. And that experience was my pastor and my husband at the time were in my living room talking. And I was tired, so I decided to go into bed. My bedroom, we were in an apartment. My bedroom was right next to the living room. So I laid in bed and we had these long, long windows that went to the floor. So, you know, while I was laying in bed, I could see right out of the window. And I'm kind of looking out the window and just praying and listening to them talking. I wasn't quite asleep yet. And... As I'm listening to them talking, I'm like drifting off a little bit. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm looking out the window and the sky opens and I see Jesus coming down for his people. And I had a moment of looking around going, Oh my gosh, I'm still in my clothes. I'm still laying in bed. I'm not going. Oh my gosh. And the fear of feeling like, I might be left behind because I wasn't solid in knowing Jesus Christ. You know, I had wanted to think so, but I didn't fully accept it and know it. And, you know, that fear of like, wow, the time has come and I'm not right. What if I don't go? You know, it, it took me to a place of feeling that I can't really put into words for any of you. However, just imagine that. Put yourself in a position of... The sky opens you see jesus christ coming for his people you see people rising up around you and you're not going so you know i'm crying out to jesus and i'm saying please take me please take me please don't leave me and jesus called me to the sky he was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my entire life there's no explanation for it you know he didn't look like our pictures or anything like that he looked like perfection And that's not something you can describe. However, um, we sat on a cloud and he talked to me for hours and reassured me and told me that his love has saved me. You know, that his blood has saved me and that I am accepted and he would never, ever, ever leave me behind. And he laid me to sleep that night. And when I woke in the morning, there was never, ever another moment of what if. I knew with my entire being, my entire soul, that Jesus Christ came to me and showed me exactly what I needed to see in order to know that he is never going to leave me. But since then, and, you know, recently, he has taken me through some really <laughs> crazy things, you know, and, and some things that I needed to go through in order to grow into the person that I am. Um, and, you know, it's so evident that that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be because of all the people that I'm having the opportunity to reach at this point in my life.
0: Now, just recently, I know you brought a girl back to life.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a traumatic experience to say the least, but also, you know, it was something that, again, has shown me and proven to me that God puts me exactly where he needs me, when he needs me. and. Even if it's not where I want to be at that time, I get the reward of knowing that it's the right place for me because of that. So, uh, yes, I found someone that um, she was ice cold and blue. And, um, you know, the paramedics were called. But until they got there, uh, she needed CPR and mouth to mouth someone to breathe for her. Fortunately, my first job was a lifeguard at 14 years old. I'm 36 now. And, um, so, you know, it's been a long time since I've been certified, but I'll tell you what, uh, there was no thought process whatsoever. I was on top of this woman, you know, giving her chest compressions and, and breathing for her until the paramedics got there. And unfortunately her life is, is saved and she's still with us. So
0: and that's why a piece of paper doesn't determine if you're like, I don't have a certification. I haven't had one in, you know, 15 right. years, but sorry, can't help you. And it's like, no, like instinct, like save somebody. So that's, that's actually a crazy cool story. And that just happened a couple weeks ago. You know what? We're going to have to do like a two, three part. You just have too much to share and there's too much value in some of the things I know you have to say that the world is going to listen. How do we want to end this all?
1: Well, I'll say this. Um, over the last, let's say, five years, there's been an awful lot of struggle in my life. I've been in some very dark places and, you know, to the point where I had to start questioning, am I going to lose, you know, that that light? within myself. And, um, you know, I never lost track of knowing that God was still with me. He was always calling for me. He was always pull, tugging at my heart and he really got me through some things. So, you know, my testimony over the last, um, couple of years is, is pretty incredible, but what I want to you know, leave off with and say is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've been through, it all builds a incredible strength inside of a person to go through things that are, you know, dark and deep and hard and and rocky and feel like the very, you know, bottom of the barrel and like you can't pick yourself up and, you know, you look through to that tunnel for just a glimpse of light and you see nothing but darkness, then you know, you're, you're going through hard times. But if you just literally pray and submit and just keep pushing forward, God will bring you through it and you will a hundred percent come out on the other end and be able to look back so strong and say, wow, I'm so glad I went through these hard times because they've literally done nothing but build strength and build character and build faith in my life. And every single thing that I've been through has been 100% worth it. There's nothing at this point as hard as things have been that I would take back because I know that there's so much, there's huge plans that God has in my life and he's just auto-tuning me right now and getting me ready and prepared for things that are bigger. And if God didn't love me and if he didn't truly take, um, you know, some pride in, in the person that he's created, he wouldn't take the time to walk me through these things, you know, and to bring me out on the other side and to build those, all that strength to just build all of those wonderful characteristics that, you know, I get to carry with me today. And and not only that, but to help and share my story and testimony with other people. So you just got to keep praying and just keep knowing, just don't ever give up, you know, and I would like to come back and kind of give the rest of my testimony because it, there's a lot of power in what God's done. Um, and it's very evident and, you know, every day that goes by, he's doing more, so.
0: It's much too often that our peace can become disturbed by misunderstandings. We can have misunderstandings with our significant others or at our work, in our families, and even with an uncommon neighbor. Yet, it is when we make things about us that shouldn't concern us, it becomes a terrible burden. There's something in the indication deep down within us that if we could stop trying to please everyone, stop trying to measure up, stop focusing on our shortcomings and our flaws, and if we could stop dwelling on the rejection we've experienced in life, it would be a lot more peaceful. There are not many who wouldn't give anything to have a peace-filled life. And this can be possible if we only focus a little less on ourselves and more on God. Our burdens, He'll take for us. He offers that. You'll feel so much lighter, yet the challenge of knowing how to reclaim God's peace starts at you. God requires you to shift your focus off your own affairs, your own intellect, your own personal agenda, and on to him. This is a lot easier said than done, but it is a worthy sacrifice. Thank you guys so much for being here with the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. This is Rodney.
1: This is Amber.
0: God bless America,
1: and have a good night.